begin with some prayer. Uh, I'll also bless your food, and I'll intend my blessing to bless whatever is outside of your stomach and what's inside as well, in case you forgot. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, and we glorify your name. We thank you for this opportunity to come together in order to learn more about your son Jesus and the life he has won for us through his death and resurrection. I ask you, Lord, to please send your Holy Spirit upon our hearts to widen them in order to receive the gifts of understanding and wisdom. Bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, let's see. So the talk is the Francis effect, living the life of joy. Uh, this is a quote from the... Uh, so the, the, the title comes from a papal exhortation. Do you know what a papal exhortation is? It comes from the Pope, obviously, right? Papal. It must be some kind of exhorting of some kind, right? A teaching, right? It's a document that's written after a synod of bishops comes together to talk about some issue going on in the world, all right? So the, a bunch of bishops came together, met about the gospel and what, how we can uh, renew evangelization efforts. And so then a document was written called The Joy of Living the Gospel, okay? Evangelium Gaudium in Latin, so... The Joy of the Gospel. So I, I picked, as a title, working with Carrie, The Francis Effect, Living the Life of Joy. There's been an effect, hasn't there? We'll call it the Francis Effect. It's really the Jesus Effect, amen? amen. But it's lived authentically in a powerful way that witnesses through Pope Francis. And indeed, I hope you'll see and understand, that can happen for every single one of us as individuals when we live rooted in Christ desirous of glorifying the Father's name and guided by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right, you guys are on time. So let's, let's start here um, a little different, a way to kind of describe what we're looking at here. I, the one thing I wanted to get out of this whole thing was that happiness is the truth. One, I, sometimes you can find really good uh, messages within the context of our secular music, and I thought that was interesting to reflect on how happiness is the truth. Now, if that's the case, we certainly don't mean that searching for worldly pleasures, which can make you happy for a period of time, is the truth. But if we look at it a little deeper, the life of joy, real happiness is joy. We use those two different words, right? Happiness, even of itself, when we use that word, often tends to denote like a more superficial kind of experience, right? A short-term pleasure of some kind. Uh, but joy really expresses something rooted in, in, in a person and an encounter uh, and what I'm going to call a kerygma, right? A kerygma that we have together. So let's look at this then. Um, going through this, back to the normal stuff. Um, Oh, no, I forgot to pr bring this up. Um, okay, so I uh, did, let's see if I can pull it up really quick, because let's see if this is working here. Okay, let's go to here. All right. Uh, oh, no, will this work? Oh, yeah, Facebook works everywhere. <laughs> That's not me. I should have had this ready for you guys. I told you I post a lot. All right, we're not going to find it here. Oh, good, 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 good. All right. So I asked the, I asked the experts on Facebook, what is the – oh, Gabriel. Hey, hey Gabriel. Uh, how did Gabriel pop up there? Oh, I, I was hovering over him. Okay. All right. View previous comments. Okay. Oh, look, Maxine is here. Hi, Maxine. I asked the, I asked the experts, what, what is the best part about being Catholic? All right, Father John Burns, 
is my buddy from seminary, and he said your profile pic. Maxine said a relationship with God, peace, love, forgiveness. Uh, the Eucharist was a common answer. Uh, consistency, being part of the church that Christ founded. Uh, uh, priests, good priests, um, being at home, knowing I literally have a home no matter where I go in the world. That's beautiful to, re- to recall no matter where you're at. Uh, community. Um, let's see what else is good here. Sacraments. We know our sacraments. One of the things I, so the, when I asked this question, what I was looking to try to get, here's a good one from one of my buddies also from the North American College, Father Peter Zwans. He says, I like the fact that I'm not going to be stuck in my coffin for eternity. <laughs> All right, that's good. He's got that kind of personality. He's got that sense of humor. Oh, hi, Melissa. Is Melissa here? Oh, no, Melissa Sanchez, different one. All right, so lots of people. So lots of you did that. Okay, all right, good. That's enough of that. So those are my two little shock factors to try to go. Unfortunately, my first one failed. But one of the things about um, being Catholic, being Christian, and living our faith uh, is that it, it really does fulfill us in a lot of ways. So I, I wanted to do that, and I did that for two different talks, and I wanted to make a point right away that so many of us are excited to be Catholic, are excited to be in love with Christ. And sometimes you might feel alone with that. And that's one of the first points I want to get to as you look at the Francis effect, which is really the Jesus effect, right? And it's that life, that authenticity, that transparency that we have definitely, okay? So I want to, um, when, I, when I went through this, what I did was I did not um, try to summarize the entire document. It's about 265 paragraphs or more. About 90 pages, okay? Uh, but it's actually very readable for a papal document. I'm pretty impressed. Um, but it is very profound. I tried to um, condense it in a way that I could express to you some concrete things. And one of the things I want to begin with first is going to Luke chapter 5, okay? And in Luke chapter 5 is the call of St. Peter. So many of you came tonight. I think that's great. I think there was a typo in the thing. You guys are probably expecting Jackie tonight, huh? Right? I'm not Jackie, sorry. My soul rejoices. You can tell her I teased her. Jackie was a good friend of mine back in Cal State Fullerton. We went together. Uh, we went to college together for two years while I lived up there. So, um, and then we had uh, we had a. We connected there through the Newman Center. Is anyone from the Newman Center at San Diego State here that goes there? All right, good. Yeah, we had the Newman Center in Cal State Florida. You can tell that the ones in the back, right? They're from San Diego State. No. Um, <laughs> just kidding, guys. So um, I, I want to take a drink, sorry. Um, it's the only one I've had tonight. It's the only one I will have, all right? Luke 5, 1 to 11. Now what happened that he was standing one day by the lake of Gennesaret, that's Jesus, okay, with the crowd pressing round him, listening to the word of God, when he caught sight of two boats at the water's edge. Can you picture two boats at the water's edge? Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. All right, two boats at the water's edge. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and lay out your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all night, long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I will put out the nets. And when they had done this, they netted such a huge number of fish that their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their companions in the other boat to come and help them. When these came, they filled both boats to sinking point. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus, saying, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were completely awestruck at the the catch they had made. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. But Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, it is people you will be catching. Then bring back their boats to the land. They left everything and followed him. Notice the encounter with Christ. Peter is awestruck when he recognizes the Lord, falls down to his knees, says, Lord, I am a sinful man. Leave me. It's impossible for me. The encounter is such an awe-striking moment. It's a powerful, powerful moment. And then what happens? They leave everything, and they follow him. 
Now, what's really interesting about this encounter is the words put out into the deep. One of the key points that will be in this talk is to be willing to put out into the deep just a little bit more. How many were on the uh, uh, retreat um, last time, the young adult retreat? Who was on the young adult retreat? Get rid of the what? The floaties. Yeah. It's time to swim, boys and girls. Drop the floaties. Put out into the deep and seek this incredible life of complete joy that Christ has to offer us, that Christ offered to Peter, and Peter followed. Now, did, was Peter perfect through everything? No. He made plenty of mistakes, but he continued to pursue Christ as much as he could. Okay, now let's get into the thick of this. And so if we're, we're seeking to encounter Christ, that's how everything began. You know, 12 dudes called together, began the spreading of the gospel in a powerful way. Now, what I've seen in looking at what I want to look at today with Pope Francis, which has been an electrifying reality for many people, Catholics and non-Catholics alike, is this way in which Christianity and the expression of Catholicism has been repackaged. I want to pull it out a little bit over our last three popes, actually. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we look at the last three popes, what I saw as I prayed about this and I tried to articulate this, in the last three popes, we've seen a repackaging of Christianity that can be brought to the modern world and is accessible once again, which is really what we're doing in every century. Each and every single one of us is called to repackage the message of the gospel, to progress it in our day and age. John Paul II, I connected him with the life that he repackaged for us to see Jesus as the life, a fullness of life. Look at everything that he wrote. He basically um, completely revamped a way of approaching theologically and philosophically the world. He wrote a great, great, great document, document uh, preaching called The Theology of the Body, which is a way to look at our person, our human person, and then see how our human person reveals the image of God, which then rooted the ability for us to dialogue with anybody because we're observing our body and how it functions and how it interacts with other people as a way of getting to the deeper truths of life. Very powerful writing that he did. John Paul II had two things about him. He suffered well, and he was zealous, I think. He suffered well, right? We, we all experienced that. Was, if there's any part of John Paul II's that life that we mostly experienced for us here, it was that part of him suffering, and he suffered well. He was also very zealous. Pope Benedict XVI, I think, recapsulated the truth, and in particular with his teaching and his humility. Now, his humility, because think about this, what paved way for this incredible explosion of interest in Pope Francis? It was the humble action of Pope Benedict to realize that there was a need for something new to take place. And he retired from the most, I mean, for lack of, you know, I'm not, this is not the way he looked at it himself, but a very prominent position. He was in good shape in that case. But he surrendered that in order that he saw something more valuable was to take place and that humility is there. So the truth, you ever heard this? Humilitas est veritas. Humility is truth. It's understanding who you are, accepting it, and living it. So that's really, really powerful. So teaching the truth and humility. And then finally, Francis, the way. I think Francis is showing us now, as we've seen Christ as life for us, fullness of all life. He want, he came, John 10, verse 10, he came to give us life and to give it to the full. And then the truth and now the way, Pope Francis is showing us the way. Now, all that's been happened, we've seen life, we've seen truth. Now it's like, okay, how do we get that out there? And Pope Francis is showing us how to get it out there by living the life of joy. And he's got a really powerful way of doing this. It's an intimate joy. You see Pope Francis run, walk up to anybody and everybody and encounter them, be personally intimate with them. That is striking to see. You've seen the pictures, right? All these incredible walking up to a person who's got a skin disease all over himself and embracing him. That is the Jesus effect, that intimacy of encountering human people together. That's what we're all called to do with everyone else. The world feels alone, doesn't it? You probably at times feel alone. But it's so important for us to encounter one another 
and our baptism especially because we put on Christ and we bring Christ to one another. So that personal intimacy, but also wisdom. What I mean by that, um, I don't mean that Pope Francis is writing an incredible amount of documents that are just you know, incredibly high and, and powerful. Wisdom in its truth is related to faith. And the particular relationship it has is to bring faith to its end goal. Wisdom is the ability to take the information you have and bring it to its goal, the goal that it's trying to achieve. So when it comes to the supernatural wisdom we receive from the Holy Spirit, where do we receive the gift of wisdom? It's at confirmation. All right, we've got a few good confirmed Catholics over here. All right, good. So wisdom is received. Wisdom helps us to take faith to its end goal. What's the end goal of faith? Get to heaven. All right, good. Where, who's over here got all the answers? OLG. Oh, it's Our Lady of Grace, okay? And they're very humble about it, too, just so you know. All right. Okay. So let's engage this a little bit. Uh, one of the questions I always ask Carrie is, Carrie, how much time do I have? Uh, and she usually says that, but she doesn't really mean that. Okay. Here is the focus statement for you today. If you remember anything from what we talked about today, this is what I want you to remember right here. Pope Francis teaches us to encounter Jesus as the way to a joy-filled life by living the kerygma. Say kerygma. The kerygma, right? So Pope Francis teaches us to encounter Jesus as the way to a joy-filled life by living the kerygma. One of the things that's so powerful about Pope Francis, and I mentioned this, he's convinced, enthusiastic, and he's in love. So what I want to do to start is I want to look at these three simple statements that are in uh, capital letters, encounter, joy, and kerygma. I want us to engage a little bit. I'm not going to be, I usually tend to talk a lot more, but I'm going to actually stop and pause at certain times. I want you to talk to each other a little bit, and I want, because I don't want you to just hear what I have to say. I want it to become, um, I want you to try to chew on it and and, and express it in your own words. So let's look at, uh, the first thing is the kerygma itself. Now, the kerygma comes um, uh, from an expression meaning about the initial proclamation. Kerygma is basically like the most basic part of our Catholic faith, the most basic part of the revealed truth that Jesus has given to us. All right? So the most basic parts. To get back to the kerygma, it's so important as we live our life right now as Catholics, we often can be tempted, and Pope Francis mentions this throughout the document, to get too caught up in the details at this time. And the reason why we can't get caught up in the details right now is because the details don't mean diddly to more than 75% of the world. Let's say 90% of the world. Because we've lost the kerygma. We've lost the rootedness of the most basic tenets of our faith that until someone is uh, convinced, enthusiastic, and in love with Jesus... Unfortunately, and I, I love everything about our Catholic faith. Don't get me wrong here, but I have to accept this myself. Unfortunately, if someone's not in love with Jesus, all the moral code that I love, everything that I love about our doctrines doesn't mean anything to them until they fall in love with Jesus. And so Francis is getting us back to that reality as he expresses the kerygma. Here's some of the things he says about the kerygma. Nothing is more solid, profound, secure, meaningful and wisdom filled than that initial proclamation all christian formation consists of entering more deeply into the kerygma it is the message capable of responding to the desire for the infinite which abides in every human heart this is coming from paragraph 165 of his document okay just giving you i'm trying to give you a, a little snippet of what the kerygma is so i have a couple more quotes from him and then i have something for you to do the kerygma it has to express god's saving love There's a key. It's about God saving love, which precedes any moral and religious obligation on our part. It should not impose the truth, but appeal to freedom. It should be marked by joy, encouragement, and liveliness. All this demands on the part of the evangelizer certain attitudes which foster openness to the message, approachability, readiness for dialogue, patience, a warmth, and welcome which is non-judgmental. Very challenging. As we, do you, one of the things, it's challenging, but it's very accessible to us, isn't it? We can try to live these things out. We can live out the kerygma, approachability, readiness for dialogue, patience, a warmth and welcome, which is non-judgmental. God's saving love. 
everyone is okay with you talking about the message of God's saving love. And we can get people to fall in love and then move into the moral and religious obligation that follows from that. But the moral and religious obligation means nothing until you're in love with Jesus Christ. It just looks like a bunch of rules, and it looks like no fun. But when you realize that it gives you eternal life, then you'll want it with all your heart. And that's why you seek out Christ in your own stuff, because you in some way have fallen in love. And so the religious devotion, the coming to the Eucharist every Sunday, participating in confession, all those things are attractive because you know it helps you get to the goal of eternal life. Amen? Amen. Okay. Look on the back of your paper. I want you to do a little exercise together for about five minutes. Okay? Pick about four or five people with you. Okay? Around you. Someone, read out loud... Acts chapter 3, verses 11 to 26, okay? And what you're doing when you're reading this is you're looking for what are the points of kerygma? That is, what are the most basic truths that are expressed in this speech? This is a speech by St. Peter, by the way, from the book of Acts, okay? One of the first initial proclamations of the gospel. So what you're going to do is you read it together, have a pen, have something handy, try to pull out what are the basic tenets of our Catholic Christian revealed faith. What are the basic things that we know are there and present? And try to pull them out and articulate them, okay? Any, everyone with me or anyone not understanding? Should I say it one more time? Alright, go for it. Five minutes, okay? Go ahead and bring it back in really quick. Tell me, who can tell me one thing they found in Peter's speech that is perhaps part of the kerygma that is the most Basic teachings of our faith that might be present in there. Who thinks they might know? Yes. Nice and loud. Stop. Perfect. Yes. Resurrection, right? Raised him from the dead. It's a basic good. I give a round of applause. That was very good. I'm very impressed. All right. Nancy's a rock star. Good. What else do you see in there that could be a possible basic, most fundamental point of the Catholic faith? Christ suffered, right? He died on the cross. Christ suffered. Good, yes. He suffered. He died. Those are two very basic tenets. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Reference to um, our relationship with Judaism and our brothers and sisters there. And then, connect, and what's the very next thing he says? Has glorified his servant Jesus. Right. What is that? That we can refer to a lot. That can refer to resurrection. Also, can refer to baptism. When Jesus was revealed as the Son, right? So he's glorified his servant. Very basic tenet of faith. Good job. What else? Yes. Amen. Repentance, right? Very basic tenet of the faith. And re- re- repent for the forgiveness of sins. Good. Anyone else? Yes. Say it again. Yes, good, yes. Send you the Christ already appointed for you. So that refers to the second coming, right? Exactly, good. You got one more? Yes. Sacred of marriage and family life? And where is that in that that particular part? Good job. I like that. I didn't see that one. Good job. You guys are so smart. Great. Good. So you get the idea. I could have given you a hint at the beginning if you struggled with this little one. Is just remember the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. All of these are basic tenets. Now, what's so important about the kerygma and knowing these basic tenets is to restore our confidence in these basic tenets, right? Our confidence that these are real, true, powerful statements, as we see here, that are solid, profound, secure, means they're unchanging, meaningful, and wisdom-filled, right? That's the initial proclamation, that's the kerygma. Pope Francis is returning to the kerygma in a very deep way, and in doing that, gives us something to start from to invite people to fall in love with, and we'll come to that in a second, okay? Let's move to joy. Uh, what is joy? What is joy? This would have been another point where I could have played that, that song, Happy. Uh, happiness is the truth, right? There are Christians whose lives seem like Lent without Easter, I realize, of course, that joy is not expressed the same way at all times in life, especially at moments of great difficulty. But joy adapts and changes. It always endures. 
even as a flicker of light born of our personal certainty that when everything is said and done, we are infinitely loved. Basic kerygma, we are infinitely loved. If we are convinced and we are certain that we are infinitely loved, what springs up next is this joy. If you are so confident that God loves you, if you're so confident that he forgives your sins, how can you not respond with anything but pure joy? To be so immersed in his love and to live a life filled with joy. To not live like we're living like Lent without Easter. All right, we live Lent, yes, but we also have Easter as well. And so when we find ourselves engaging other people to be vivacious, to be excited about life, because we are infinitely loved. If we need to remind, that's why we remind ourselves of the kerygma. Remind ourselves that we have an infinitely loving Father in heaven. We have a God who has died for us, and that, that forgiveness of sin, that precious blood which poured on the cross, can forgive us of our sins and give us a new life. That's a reason to be joyful. There's always, a re- even in, in, in difficulties, joy adapts and changes, but it always endures, even if it's just a flicker of light, right? That's our faith. We trust that even when we're going through the most difficult moments in our life, that if we are joyful in a way that it can adapt and change so it will flicker even in that moment. A couple more points about joy from Francis. The joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Jesus. Those who accept his offer of salvation are set free from sin, sorrow, inner emptiness, and loneliness. With Christ, joy is constantly born anew. This was the line that I used at the beginning. With Christ, joy is constantly born anew. How many times can you go to confession in your life? As many times as you need, boys and girls. So every time you come to confession, the priest prays absolution. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God give you pardon and peace. And I have, no, not right now. I knew you were thinking, like, yes, we're going to get a free absolution. No. But here in those words, the basic proclamation of the gospel, every time you come to confession, the priest proclaims the gospel to you. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God give you pardon and peace, right? That's a kerygma, a charismatic expression of the faith. Very powerful. So every time we come to confession, our joy can be born anew. We can be restored, refreshed, and renew ourselves in our joy every time we come to confession. Okay. A couple more points that I want to share about joy, um, and then I want you to talk about joy. Joy is the result of the knowledge of our freedom to be the best version of ourselves. I've had a hard time this week. I had a talk on uh, Matthew Kelly uh, yesterday, so I'm going back and forth kind of my mind. And when I was writing this one, I, I thought of uh, Matthew Kelly. Uh, Matthew Kelly is one of the favorite saints, his best version of yourselves, right? You guys, some of you who know Matthew Kelly are aware of that. This is a dynamic Catholic, rediscover Catholicism book. Joy is the result of the knowledge of our freedom to be the best version of ourselves. So because of the kerygma, because we're infinitely loved, because our sins are forgiven, we have knowledge of the freedom to be the best version of ourselves. That is joy. When you are convinced and aware that you are capable of being the best version of yourself, no matter what's going on in your life, then you have no reason to not be filled with joy about what you're doing, even if you're going through difficulties. Uh, another way to express joy. This is from Mother Teresa. Joy is Jesus, J, others, O, U, Y. It's a good way to put your life in order. Put Jesus first, then others, then yourself, and joy will live in your life. Okay, take a moment right now. Again, get a little more personal this time. This is now it's time to be a little personal, okay? You've made some friends there by reading St. Peter's first proclamation of the gospel there. That was great. Now share with your group one of the most joyful moments in your life, okay? And then share a moment where it was hard to be joyful, but you endured and persevered because of your faith. Encourage one another that your joy can help you persevere. Go ahead and share a little bit. Take five minutes. Thank you, guys. So a duck walks into a bar and asks the bartender, hey, you got any grapes? 
Butcher says, no, I don't got any grapes. Okay. The duck comes in the second day says, hey, got any grapes? Bartender says, no, we don't have any grapes. This is a bar. What are you doing? He comes in a third day. Comes up to the bartender and says, hey, you got any grapes? He's like, no, we do not have grapes. If you come in here one more time and ask if we have grapes, I'm like, take my gun. I'm going to shoot you and make a hunting out of you. So the duck comes in the next day. Walks up to the bartender and says, got a gun? <laughs> no. Good. Got any grapes? Wow. All right. All right. That was pretty intense, I know. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. All right. Is there one person who'd be willing to share a really powerful moment of joy? A really powerful moment of joy. Demetrius, come on up, your brother. Demetrius, come stand over here so you're not in the way of the thing. Share us with a little bit of your story. Yes, sir. How's everybody doing tonight? All right, all right. For those of you who don't know, my name is Demetrius, and I attend uh, Santa Sophia. Uh, one of the most powerful moments in my life when it uh, brought me joy was when I was really struggling with a past relationship, about a year and a half, uh, got my heart broken, and I really left, I really left God. You know, God was trying to help me out all the time, and I was just, trying, you know, I got it. You know, I don't need you. I was ignoring him all the time, all the time, all the time. And... Uh, one of my friends, about a year and a half later after our relationship, uh, came up to me. He was like, hey, I noticed you've uh, been sad. You know, you've been depressed a lot. You haven't been coming out to work uh, with the kind of joy that I've been used to. You know, where's Demetrius at? You know, and I was like, you know, I'm struggling with this and that. And he was like, hey, why don't you come to the, uh, to the church this Sunday? You know, maybe uh, God will speak to you. And I was like, okay, no problem. So I went that Sunday to church. And this is before I knew the Catholic faith. So he, uh, he was one of my good friends who brought me to the faith. And the whole time, I didn't really hear the priest. He was kind of like muffled in the background. And when it was time to receive the Eucharist, I was sitting there. And it was of almost as, as like uh, time slowed down. And like it was kind of like a woom, 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 woom. And like, <laughs> and it's funny because you know how the expression being touched by God, you like you don't want to be touched by him because when you, you get touched by him, it's very powerful, and it's almost like you can't handle it. So time slowed down, and I was like, uh-oh. Because, like, <laughs> I was praying for a long time to, for him to give me something. You know, talk to me. You know, just, just tell me something. You know, I've been struggling. I need your help. You know? And then all of a sudden, he's, uh, it's, uh, it's almost like he just touched his hand on my shoulder. It's like, are you ready to listen? And I started weeping. You know, I started crying, and very uncontrollably and it was like he asked me again are you ready to listen to me and I was like yes Lord I'm, I'm ready to listen to you right a week later I met a wonderful woman that's in my life right now and she's she's the best thing that ever happened to me besides God talking to me <laughs> all right praise Lord All right, all right, good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great. I love it. I love it. I, I think there's a, such a powerful um, opportunity to share joy with one another. That's what I want to do with this particular part of the talk was to encourage you to talk about your joy, to share your, your, the life that Christ is sharing with you. What a powerful story that we would never have known if we didn't just have someone share it with us about how God touched their life, right? And that encourages us, it strengthens us to be the Catholics that we're called to be, to be the witnesses of, God, of God's love. All right, we already talked about encounter, but I just want to briefly go back to a couple of things. This is a very important statement. This is actually, Pope Francis quotes Benedict in this document. And he quotes this incredible quote that I remember back when Benedict wrote this. I think it's in Deus Caritas S. God is love. Benedict says this, Being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Right? Powerful. Again, let's look at encounter. Encounter with Christ. And by the way, the word evangelize means this precisely. To evangelize someone means to give them an encounter with Christ, to a, a new way to access Christ. They encounter him. Uh, that's, that's this evangelization effort. So being a Christian is not the result of this incredible wisdom that you get. It's this 
encounter with an event, a person, which is who is Jesus, and gives you uh, gives your life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Look at these different places. We, uh, he talks about encounter in so many ways, and he kind of mentions briefly a couple of places where we encounter Christ in our Catholic faith. And I want to just point these out. He says, I want to remind priests, that's me, I want to remind priests that the confessional must not be a torture chamber. Does confession feel like a torture chamber? Oh, man. All right, I'll try harder. I'll try better. Okay, I'll be more merciful. All right. But no, really, sometimes it can feel, I, I know it can feel like that. I know for me it feels like that sometimes, right? But rather an encounter with the Lord's mercy, which spurs us on to do our best, you know. I had a priest um, when I was in the seminary. His name was, um, uh, actually was, uh, Monsignor William Lyons. He was my spiritual director. When he did confession, he would always get to the part and he'd say, may God give you pardon and peace. And he'd always tap your head on pardon and peace. And he made it just a, it's such a powerful gentleness and exi- uh, a simple encounter with, with the mercy of God. A small step in the midst of great human limitations, this is in reference to, this is important for us to think about too, uh, can be more pleasing to God than a life which appears outwardly in order but moves through the day without confronting great difficulties. It's important for you to realize that. Coming to confession or trying to live your Catholic faith, even when it's hard, those small steps, right, in the midst of your human limitations that you have as an individual can actually be a lot more pleasing to God than a life with, which on the outside looks like it's perfect and ordered, but is really not going through the day without confronting the most greatest difficulties it faces, right? So the fact that you strive to encounter Christ in the midst of your own afflictions and to make small steps towards him, when I say that I want you to put out into the deep, I don't mean that all of a sudden you've got to sell everything you own and follow Christ tomorrow. That'd be great if you did. Some of us are called to that, to sell everything we have, to give it to the poor, and to follow Christ. But I would love for you to just take some kind of small steps in the direction. And that, it can be just as pleasing to God and your Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. All right, good. A couple more things to think about encounter. The homily. He mentions the homily can actually be an intense and happy experience. <laughs> All right, it can be, okay? It was mumbling, huh? It was mumbling. That's it, dude. Yeah, I got D now. Uh-oh. All right. It can be an intense. And you go to my church. I know. It wasn't yours, man. It wasn't yours, man. No, good, good. So it can be a happy experience of the spirit, right? Uh, a very consoling encounter with God's word and a constant source of renewal and growth. How good, and this is more ways in which we encounter God. We can, you know, stand before a crucifix or be on our knees before the blessed sacrament, the Eucharist, and simply just be in his presence. How much good it does us when he once more touches our lives and impels us to share his new life. What then happens is that we speak of what we have seen and heard. When we encounter the kerygma and Christ himself and we're filled with that joy, how can we do anything but speak of what we've had? There's no other way. Amen. When we've encountered that, to go share it, we should be impelled immediately to want to share it with everyone. And let's look at how we can do that. Okay? We'll come back to those questions to conclude the day. But how do we share this joy? Okay, great, Jacob. The joy of living the gospel. How can I share this now with other people? Pope Francis, this is straight from his document. I just dissected it and organized it to make it accessible to you. Here's how he says we can share the joy. It's so simple. So simple. In our informal daily preaching, he calls it. We have a daily preaching that we do every single day with people that we encounter, with the people that are on the street, in our public places, at work, in our families, in our friends, all these places. Our opportunities to preach on a daily basis. How do we do that? Step one, Pope Francis says, personal dialogue. Let them share their personal feelings and thoughts about life, joys, hopes, concerns, so on and so forth. When you come with someone, when you come before someone, you're trying to evangelize them. You don't have to have all the wisdom ready to go and just express to them in a way that the gospel will be impossible for them to reject. Just listen to start. Listen to their concerns, their failings, their hopes, every, their joys, what's going on in their life, and then listen. And then step two, give a Bible passage, right? That means you probably have to carry your Bible with you. Or you've got your iPhones. 
right, Laudate app. Who's got the Laudate app? <laughs> All right, good. Always there for you, okay? Right? But what I mean here is not just to give any Bible. You know, I don't want you to play Bible roulette and just like, okay, this one's going to be for this guy, yeah, right here. No, that's not what we're looking for, okay? Right? I mean, I want you to have Bible passages, passages, maybe two or three, that are very impactful for you. Maybe you can go back and think of what Bible passages have been very powerful for me. And you have them pat, memorized, and you give them to, once they express them, say, you know, what, you can just pick one of your three passages. You know, this is a very powerful passage for me. I just want to give it to you, you know. Uh, first letter of John, chapter 4, 416. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him, right? And you just share that with that person. You just let, them, let the word do the work. All you have to do is introduce them to Christ. Let the spirit take care of the conversion. It's your duty as a Catholic to help them encounter Christ, but you let the spirit take care of everything else. Give them a Bible passage. Share a Bible passage with the charisma, the personal love of God who became man, gave himself up for us, who is alive today and often uh, and offers his salvation and his friendship. Step three, this is important. Always end your conversation with a prayer. This is a bold step, by the way. Isn't that a little scary, maybe? To actually, anybody you meet, to be willing, after you've talked about it, to actually say, let's pray about this now. And then just simply pray for the concerns they expressed. Tell God to bless this person, to assist them in what they're going through, to... Um, uh, console them in their sorrow or to give thanks to God for the joys that they're experiencing. And that's a powerful way of just giving someone a simple encounter with Christ so that the charisma can be proclaimed to them. And with the charisma being proclaimed, they have the chance to live a joy-filled life and living a joy-filled life, they too might go help others encounter Christ. This is how it all began, my friends. From the beginning, it was simply being sent out and helping people encounter Christ and then spread like wildfire. We can do it again. We can renew everything about our Catholic faith and the way we live it so that it becomes a joy-filled experience and one that people are attracted to. God bless you. All right, so we do have five minutes um, to go through a couple more questions to share a little bit together about that encounter aspect, okay? Uh, what is your preferred way to encounter Jesus Christ and why? And how do you go about sharing this encounter you have with Christ to others? Maybe you have to think about how that could be possible, right? Maybe you don't know how you do that right now, but try to articulate that to somebody else. So first share with each other a little bit in your same groups. What is your preferred way to encounter Jesus Christ and why? Think of all the ways that could be there. And then how do you go about sharing this encounter with others? Five minutes. All right. Good. God bless you guys. I love it. I love it. Um, you're very on fire. I love the, the, the movement of the spirit in your sharing. Recap. We're done here. We're going to take a couple minutes for questions. But remember the main thing I wanted here. Pope Francis teaches us to encounter Jesus as the way to a joy-filled life by living the charisma, all right, the basic tenets of our faith. To sum it up in a simple phrase, an image that Pope Francis used, he says, no more sour pusses. <laughs> Don't be a sour puss about life. You have Christ in your life. You have every reason to be joyful. Amen? We have time, I think, for maybe one or two questions, right? Is there anything that came up anywhere that we maybe want me to try to speak a little bit more to or to address a question of any kind that might be out there? Yes. Can you describe the difference between true joy and then, like, joy that's just found, like, you know, like every day when it's just you're just kind of going through life and, like, the joy of just, like, you know, like living through life, but... What is the true joy of knowing Jesus versus the joy of just, just living life, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, I, what it comes to me immediately, I think there's a lot of ways I could try to address that question, obviously. What comes to me immediately, though, is, is to reference uh, a point I had made, uh, and I'll use a different word. What I, I had said that we have, I remember I said that joy is the knowledge of our freedom to be the best version of ourselves, right? 
let me change that slightly and, and use the word capacity, right? When we become aware of our capacity to be the best version of ourselves, then we're really living a real joy. The difference, I think, is, uh, let's use a different word, let's use excitement, right? Now, in a lot of ways, I use excitement to try to pave the way for joy tonight, right? We were singing the song, getting all excited, right? And we paved the way for a real joyful experience. I hope that what you remember that tonight was joy-filled, right? That's what was my goal and I, my hope. So I think there's excitement and then there's joy that, that carries with it. Um, uh, another analogy in approaching this, uh, you can often measure how truly joyful something is based on the fact that the feeling of joy or the not, or the, the, not the feeling, um, the, uh, yeah, let's say the feeling of joy or the, the expression of joy remains even after the thing that caused the joy has come to an end. So, for example, you might experience a lot of joy, excitement, or happiness, let's use any of those words interchangeably for now, when you um, play, yeah, you have a good meal, right? But you ate too much, and so afterwards you don't feel that anymore. So, you know, it, although it produced some kind of goodness, some kind of happiness, some kind of joy, it didn't endure, it didn't perdure, right? But when you encounter Christ, it, you come to Mass, for example, like Demetrius shared his story. That was how long ago? About five months ago. Five months ago. Here he is still living a life of joy, right? It still gives him joy. Even after the event happened, it still continues to feed his life and make, uh, give him a decisive direction in how he's living. That's the joy. That's another way to describe it, I think. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you. Great question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have a question? Yes. Carrie's still learning from me, <laughs> even though I'm a pup. <laughs> She's, she, it's okay. Go ahead, Carrie. Yes. How, how would someone who wants to desire Christ Oh, sorry, desire to encounter Christ, encounter him. I would say, I, I mean, again, my immediate impression is through us. I, I think it's that that's, that's part of what we are in being part of the body of Christ is we're like little Jesuses, okay? <laughs> we, do, we do participate in his life, death, and resurrection through baptism, and we really communicate his love to other people. What was it that was very attractive about Jesus? Certainly, it was his love, his complete sincere love. What was so attractive about Pope Francis? I mean, how many people are struck by him going and uh, embracing that man, again, using the same, the same story, uh, embracing the man with the, uh, with the skin disease, right? That, that, wow, how can someone literally go and do that? And I'm very challenged by that in particular, where I try to put that into practice a lot uh, is I try to be sincere with every single individual that I come in contact with. I try to put my focus on them, engage them, encounter them, and love them where they're at. Maybe it's even someone who comes to my parish that uh, is uh, mentally uh, disabled in some kind of re- for some kind of reason, but to still treat them like a person and to approach them with the love. And it's really, it can be hard. It's a hard thing to do, but when you can push past that hesitancy you have to embrace any person, right? Even a person, you know, um, I can tell you a story a while ago. Um, a person came to my parish, all tatted up, you could tell she, she was having a really difficult time, uh, nose rings and everything everywhere. She was fed up with life, and, um, and she was unpacking. She, was, she wanted to get rid of all her stuff. She had trash bags of clothes, literally like six or seven trash bags, and I had an appointment to get to, right? But here in this moment, I felt Christ saying to me, you need to embrace this person and encounter them. Don't just say, I'll take care of you later. So I, I, I listened to what they had to say. What they really wanted to do was they, they were tired of all the stuff, the material things, and they were trying to make a turning point in their life. You could tell automatically there was drugs involved in this situation, and they wanted to turn things around. And so I took time just to meet with them and be with them. And it turns out I found out later on she was also hoping she could get some holy water to take back to her house, and she wanted to be able to bless herself and protect because she felt like she was being attacked in different kinds of ways. And so we went in and we prayed the blessing over the holy water. And after we got done, she said to me, I can't remember the exact words, but she said something like, that was amazing. Can I have that prayer? (laughs) 
there because I decided to take the time with someone that maybe I might be turned off by to begin with or hesitant to approach. There was a real encounter with Christ that maybe later and she might come back again. Who knows? I don't know. I might never see her again, you know. Um, but there is something about that. Another quick story, may I? Um, there, there was, um, uh, I was walking back, for, this is when I was in St. Rose of Lima, and I was walking down 3rd Avenue back from a, a coffee I had with somebody, and on the side of the road, um, there was a, a young woman, about 19 or 20, who was sobbing immensely, just sobbing, 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 sobbing. And I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what it was, but I was kind of walking by, and then the Spirit kind of convicted me and said, you need to go up and talk to her. I'm like, oh, man, Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? So I pushed through, and I walk over, and I just, and all, I did exactly what that three steps are. I just said, what, what's, what's going on? Is everything okay? And she shared a little bit of what's going on, and, you know, someone in her family had just had a miscarriage. She was, I think it was a, a, a sister was having a tough time with that, and she was bro- heartbroken. And all sorts of other things then just started pouring out. She shared her feelings, shared her, her sufferings, her sorrows, what was going on. Um, I shared a couple words about how Christ loves her. She turns out she was a Christian, not Catholic, but she was a Christian, and she believed in Jesus. And the fact that I took the time to tell her about Christ, and then we prayed together, right? And that was all that happened. I went on my way, never thought I'd see her again. Two years later, a woman walks into my, walks into my, <laughs> Rachel's in, Rachel's in. Two years later, a woman about uh, 50 years old walks into my office, tells me she's interested in becoming a Catholic. And, uh, and, sh- and she, uh, you know, we go through the whole thing. She's like, okay, good. We start. She says, what, well, I'm worried about one thing. She says, I'm not sure how my daughter's going to react to me becoming Catholic. I'm worried. She's a very devout Christian. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So I told her, well, you know, let's talk to her, you know, see what happens. You see what she says. Sure enough, she gets enough courage. She goes back, tells her daughter that she's going to become, she's looking to becoming Catholic at this parish, St. Rose of Lima, down in Chula Vista on 3rd Avenue, and she says, is the priest about this tall? <laughs> the brown eyes and baby blue eyes? <laughs> no, she didn't say that, okay. We said, is that that young priest at, at St. Rose of Lima down there on 3rd Avenue? And she's like, yes. And she's like, Mom, that's the priest that stopped by to pray with me on that day that my friend had that miscarriage, right? And so the mother said she is totally fine with me becoming Catholic at St. Rose of Lima. <laughs> simply because of an extension of a moment of care and concern. So we can be confident, right? If you really are convinced of the kerygma, if you're convinced, I loved, I said this yesterday, we discovered Catholicism, if you're convinced that the tomb is empty, get out there, be joy-filled, and help other people encounter Christ through you. Amen. Amen. Amen.